0: Welcome to Project Chatter, the podcast where PPM experts from various sectors talk about the latest trends. Listen to Val and Dale as they talk about tried and tested best practices and share their unfiltered thoughts about the industry. Whether you're here to learn how to progress your career, improve your project control skills, or just want to hear an Aussie and South African rant about projects, then you've come to the right place. Welcome to the Project Chatter podcast with your hosts, Dale Fung. And Val Matthews. This podcast is brought to you by Plan Academy. Plan Academy is the world's leading learning site for anyone working in construction project management or project controls.
1: At Plan Academy,
0: you learn construction
1: planning and scheduling theory, how to master scheduling software like Primavera P6, and even advanced
0: construction scheduling techniques. Plan Academy's courses are 100% online and at your own pace. You can learn at the office, at site, from home, anywhere. Check out planacademy.com today for free sample lessons and tons of free video.
1: Hey everyone, this episode is brought to you by JustDo.com. JustDo is a great business and project management tool we've been using here at Project Chatter.
0: I agree, Val. I like to keep things simple and JustDo is perfect for that. But I do know it's got a lot of powerful functionality as well. And one of my favorites is the task-specific chat. Absolutely. And for all you slackers, don't wait
1: for Monday. Check out JustDo.com. Now on with the pod. <laughs> Hello, Project People. Welcome to the Project Chatter podcast. I'm Val Matthews, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Dale Fung. How you going, hey, Dale? Hey, Val. How are you doing? I'm good, man. I'm good. good. Uh, in this episode, we get to talk to Bryn Lockett. Bryn, it's great to have you on the pod, mate.
2: Uh, it's good to be here. Thanks. I've uh, always enjoyed my chats with uh, with you, Val, so it's nice to have a uh, three-way chat with Dale as well.
1: Awesome. Yeah, me too. Well, on this pod, we get to chat to Bryn about all things project controls um, and BIM, uh, but specifically, we're going to talk about annual statistics and his survey, as well as talking about project controls, the profession across all the industries. This is definitely going to be a very insightful show. But as usual, before that, here's Dale with Bryn's
0: bio. Cheers, Val. So Bryn is the co-founder and CEO of Logical, and we'll talk a little bit about Logical in a second, but. Bryn drives strategic direction to the business to be able to extend the best service for Logical's clients across the globe. Having accumulated over 20 years of global industry knowledge and experience within PMOs and project controls, clients and contractor consultancy side, Bryn's passion is continuing to look for improvements and leveraging industry experience to achieve better outcomes for clients and industry as a whole. I love that Bryn. It's succinct to the point and it tells us everything we need to know about you. Um yeah. but 20 years, amazing. I wonder if we could uh start off perhaps with your origin story and how you kind of got into the space and perhaps not give all away your se- give all of your secrets away because you know that that would be pointless. Um but how did you take a consultancy global as well? I mean, you know, it sounds like a really mean feat um to, you know.
2: Mm. achieve that i think yeah. um in in fairness i think sort of one of the things that was on our side was youth uh when we when we when we first got into uh me and me and my co-founder bruce Beth so actually when we first got into uh, uh started started logical it was very much uh, we'll give it a crack and we'll see how we go type thing and then and then as we kind of went on we sort of i guess we sort of pushed ourselves a little bit more but uh, but it was always a little bit you know this is going all right we'll, we'll keep going type thing and not really um we didn't overthink it at the start I guess we basically we just sort of went into it with uh, open eyes uh, have, have a bit of a go and see how we go and and, and we've, we've kind of always sort of uh we've always sort of we've, we've matured as we've got on but I often look back now and wonder if I was starting a business now would I be as well would I do as well or, or, or as, I, as I sort of uh as we did the way we did it and, and i often think that actually i wouldn't be surprised if we overthought it these days uh rather than just cracking on and seeing how you go
0: now that's truly amazing because i mean you're in asia australia and the uk and and, and europe as well is, is that right
2: we are so yeah so our main offices are uh, we started in uh, we started in the uk so that was back in sort of 2002 uh we expanded uh we sort of service Europe a bit off the back of that and then we uh, we expanded into uh expanded back into Australia which is where we were actually both originally from uh in, in around 2007 that was on the west coast and had the uh, had the benefit of the mining boom uh, when when uh, when that started so that was uh, that was helpful uh and then and then around 2011 we sort of we shifted east and went to the east coast of Australia uh and and in 2014 uh we came back up into sort of asia so off the back of and then all the main time i guess growing out from uh, growing out from the uk as well so we've got we've got a number of sort of project offices sort of throughout europe as well but uh the, the main two offices are in uh, london and birmingham in the uk so
0: yeah wow that's amazing wow. and and before you you got into the consultancy and founded it were you a project planner were you in controls were you a project manager what was your background we
2: my actually my background is I'm a mining engineer, so I um so I, I, I sort of finished my studies and, and and stayed around in Sydney for uh for about twelve months before sort of traveling sort of doing the Aussie thing I guess and traveling to uh, traveling to the UK and, and when I got to the UK I hadn't really thought through the whole uh, doing mining work in the UK but obviously it was pretty non-existent when I got there so uh, <laughs> so so off the back of that I did the uh, did the usual thing in fairness and then worked in a pub knocked down a pub and then. Uh, did bits and pieces before i sort of managed to get an engineering job in uh, in the railways and, and that that was kind of around that was an analyst role in the first instance before i moved into project management uh and and, and at some point someone had mentioned this thing to me about this this, this tool if you want to if you want to do well you should learn how to use primavera so i was uh so that that at some point sort of got me uh got me into into that space and then so fairly quickly we sort of moved you know from project management into the into more into the sort of planning specialisation before we expanded out from that into uh, into sort of controls and beyond. So, uh, so that's well, my background.
0: Well, it sounds like a truly remarkable story, and um, I'm sure we could we could spend a whole pod um, just you know getting into the minutiae and details of, of 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 that background. But I want to get into, as Val mentioned, the the survey that logical does every Mm the annual survey um those that have seen it and there's plenty out there they they love the insight that that you share with the community Mm. i wonder if um if and and this will probably unravel and we'll go down all sorts of rabbit holes with the statistics that are in the survey but perhaps starting with how you put it together i mean what what are the the sources of information um you know uh, is, is it something that you kind of just thought let's do this is it methodical how how did it come about
2: in in fairness i cannot take any credit for how it came about so that uh, it was it was it was people within the team that came up with the idea so i have to uh, i have to say i've I've always been a supporter of it but uh, but it, it wasn't i wasn't the bright spark that came up with the idea um, what, I, what I'm a massive supporter of, and it's a little bit, uh, I'd sort of tie it back to what you guys are doing. Actually, I, I sort of, uh, I mean, I mean, the survey is great for brand awareness and all that sort of thing. I'm, I get that. So there's a, there's a sort of positive there for us as a business as well. Um, but but from a from a sort of providing industry insight and helping industry to grow and expand, um, that for me, that's that's what I'm very passionate about, and I, and I kind of see that in what you guys are doing with this, uh, with you know, with yeah. this uh, project. Uh, but chatter uh, podcast as well. It's just it's a way of you know it's it's about it's about sharing those lessons. It's about sharing the sharing the good things, sharing the bad things, and hopefully that sort of helps uh, helps other people uh, uh, learn from that and and, and and sort of apply that to their next project or whatever the case might be, and be a little bit more successful as a as a result. So so yeah, so that so it came about. It, 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 you know, it, it did stem from our uh, from our UK team uh in the first instance um about six years ago we've been running it for now so and we're just about to run the 20 start the process of running the 2021 one so hopefully your uh your audience can keep an eye out for that and contribute to that because again the more contributions we get the more opportunities there are for uh you know to, to share those learnings and to see how we're progressing or or otherwise
1: yeah we'll be happy to send a link i mean i think it's a great initiative um six years wow so you've got six years of statistical data let's call it uh well it's probably qualitative as a survey type um yeah pattern, isn't it from project professionals of not just uk but around the world is that right
2: correct yeah so it does get quite a um yeah it's a, it's quite a and it's, it gets a, a big audience actually from a uh, it's quite nice sort of seeing the map and sort of seeing uh seeing sort mm. of uh where, where everyone, all the different respondents have come from and i think partially that uh, uh well to a degree that stems from the, the sort of the multi uh The multi sort of cultural organisation that we are, and the fact that we've all, you know, we're such a uh, everyone's from everywhere, I guess, within within Logical. So we, so from that, we sort of we can we've sort of all got sort of networks, sort of both within within the the countries that we currently operate within, but we've also got sort of friend and and professional networks uh, uh, within, you know, a vast number of other regions and countries as well. So uh, so that's that's kind of helped, I think, build up the numbers base too. So
1: yeah it must be um i mean i I know you can't take credit for it but the team must have had some type of whiteboarding session i can imagine just how do you get because it's all about the quality of the questions isn't it when you do a survey because you could just you could do it at this service if you just ask the wrong questions how do you come up with the right questions are they the same questions each year or do you kind of add on to them to kind of add on new new developments in the space
2: we do yeah so we try and expand it it's it's um, we we found it I guess a little bit tricky because cause, cause in some way if you expand too much your ability to kind of show uh, to, to measure measure improvement becomes harder because actually people are answering a different question and therefore your ability to kind of go back and say well this is what yeah. they said two years ago or three years ago um, but equally if people are answering the same thing every you know every year it's like oh this again so, so it's really um you know I think it, from our side it's quite important that we for, for us we, we've, we're have we've trying to get a balance i guess if look we, we do ask the same question a number of the same questions probably every year uh and then other ones we just we just try and expand out from that and, and pick up on the, uh you know trends in industry and what we're seeing and then and, and, and trying to sort of bring that into the uh, that into the survey as well so yeah yeah, yeah so. No, that's
1: great Bryn. that's great because i think we've talked about on, on previous pods around access to information and Certainly when I started Project Controls and probably yourselves, like finding the information was really difficult. And unless you were part of an institution, you, you couldn't get access to it. It was hidden behind some type of paywall. And, you know, I, I, I still believe that it shouldn't be. I, I, I still think we're, we're better as a craft, we're better as professionals if there's some license to share information. Um, and I think that this helps do that because it becomes a talking piece, even if it isn't about logical it's really interesting if you can see some trends and you can you know have a conversation about oh that's interesting what's happening in rail in the uk and you know that could be with a broad audience or it could be with a specific client it's it's a quite good starting point and they go well, what are we going to do about it if it's a negative thing yeah. or if it's a positive thing
2: yeah yeah actually i was chatting to a friend today and it was sort of one of the things that uh that sort of came up in that discussion this is again in in, in the same way that uh I think Dale has been reached out to for our uh, for our 2021 survey. It's just you know we want that. So the next survey we're doing, one of the changes is actually that we're looking to sort of bring, um, you know, we are obviously giving everyone who responds of always, uh through that process. Uh, but a lot of the analysis is then done by us. We then sort of you know a team of people within out within Logical uh, that then yep. does that, talks about it, and then uh, and then and then basically plays it back. Now what we're looking to do this year is to kind of go out to a slightly broader audience so we can bring other other you know other key people within in, industry into the discussion to, to kind of to, to put their opinion in in uh, to bring their opinion into the into the process as well basically so so when the 2021 mm. survey comes out it'll be similar to what we've done but there, there should be a number of other industry voices in there to kind of help share that broader experience as well so so i'm mm. looking forward to that cause like i say I mean as much as we've uh, I, I think there's a we, we have a big voice and we should have a big voice. We've been working on so many sort of great projects for, for, for almost 20 years as a business and I often forget that. Having started as a kid, I often still think we're a kid as an organisation perspective and, and don't have as much, um, uh, don't quite recognise what we've actually achieved and what we've actually sort of uh, been involved in. But So so we, we deserve to have a voice in that process but at the same time, I do think, you know, again, we're we're stronger as many. So, so bringing other voices into the end uh, of the survey this year should be a should be a positive.
1: Yeah, and if we um if we flip to numbers now, because we all love numbers, um, what are the what are the biggest things you've seen that either shocked you, or you thought, wow, that's interesting, um, and it kind of changed your perception about an industry or a sector or a particular you know area of project controls
2: um it's always actually the, the stats on actually who's performing well i think is always uh is always a good one because yeah. actually in terms of the, yeah. the, the regions where where projects are successful because actually it's 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 uh uh we like to think we're, we're 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 keen in the regions that we sort of work within but actually the reality is we're not uh so in from from a logical mm. perspective that you know working predominantly within australia uh asia and uh asia and the uk and actually they're they're three of the sort of worst performing areas actually so it's uh so, and I and I don't put that down to project controls or logical, by the way. Um, yep. But I do think there's a, there is a, um, there's a, there's a there's a there's a problem in those areas <laughs> that I think we need to look at, uh, and and it's uh, because they are you know they're really put down you know thirty percent type success rates uh, is kind of what's coming back through the control survey, which is uh, yeah, which is very very poor.
1: So it's getting worse. Is the theme?
2: Um. Well. It's not getting better. Put it, put it mm. like, so when you look at the survey, controls is improving. So that side of things, we are seeing improvements, uh, improvement. Uh but, mm-hmm. but from a but from a the uh, percentage of successful projects in different regions, actually, that that's that stays pretty consistently low for the for the for the last few years. that we've been uh, we've been sort of paying more attention to it within the survey. So, I mean, I've got yeah, I've right. got sort of yeah. I mean, for me, I think there's a big a big part of that is around. Uh, uh, is around risk and and how clients uh, clients are treating risk and transferring it to their supply chains and the like. I don't think we, I don't think that's working well. Uh, um, and for me, that's a big part of why projects aren't successful because from day one, you're not encouraged to be collaborative. You're encouraged to basically fight commercial battles and and take on risks that you wouldn't necessarily take on. And and uh, and that doesn't help. Whereas I think the true value of uh, of, of controls and BIM and things like that is about that sort of you know single source of truth everyone working together from that single source of truth to sort of help deliver projects better and faster and uh, and the likes but uh, but at the moment uh, that's uh, yeah i think we're sort of seeing some regions are starting to get better um but the stats in the stats in the report uh, uh perhaps perhaps because some of those projects are still you know they're not they're not completed yet they're still being completed that actually we're not necessarily seeing any of that positivity sort of feeding into the performance of each of the regions
1: that's that's yeah. really interesting, really insightful. Yeah, thanks, Bryn.
0: Yeah, no, it is yeah. very insightful. And you know, we let's not give away all of the, the insight into the survey, let's wait for it to come out because I'm sure it'll be <laughs> fascinating again, to be honest. Um, but Great. Bryn, you did mention BIM. Um and, and I know you're also passionate about digital as well. And you know, if you look at the the classical golden triangle of people process technology, um if we if we start over the technology side of things, um and, and we've recently had um, the, the 4D construction group um, guys on the pod as well um, and, and yeah. some really good conversation around 4D and how long, you know it's been around for such a long time, yet not many um, companies, organizations have actually adopted it. Um, is there any reason why from your perspective and how do you see um, BIM sort of picking up 4D, 5D, 6D even?
2: Uh, so my uh, – I think – I'm sort of excited about the future on that front. I think there's a um because uh, it, it, the, the the amazing thing all that you know it has been around for such a long time you know for for, for you know almost as long as you know, well actually probably longer than we've been around there's been there's actually been you know 4D stuff has probably probably been around as a um as a tool so I think what what's for a long time, I think it's just one of those things where people look at it and they sort of go, oh, that was complicated. we better leave that over there type thing and and I think that's changing now i think um it's not you know the whole of industry is not there yet but actually one of the reasons it's changing i think is because your average joe and i'm you know occasionally i put myself into this everyone's got one of these and everyone's getting more used to um what you can do on a mobile phone and what technology is so it's becoming less scary and in doing so it's, it's making that sort of that transition into that space uh, uh a bit easier because actually more people kind of get it and get the fact that actually oh maybe we can do this type of thing so uh so I think that is one thing that's really helping uh, helping that transition. I think the um the drive towards uh, sort of mandating BIM or uh, that that a lot of governments are basically doing obviously the u k has done it uh, australia's uh, australia's doing it. I can say with confidence sorry that queensland is um Thanks. Hong Kong's doing it so uh, <laughs> Um, so, so you know, you are getting that sort of that. It's you, you're getting the process is helped by effectively the ultimate client saying, actually, we're, we're looking for BIM to be done now on uh, uh, on, on projects, uh, which is fantastic. I think you've kind of there's a cultural sort of transition. I think when uh, even when you have the government sort of saying you need to do BIM, where actually so everyone kind of it's it sort of you know there's, there's the process of okay, we're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about we're going to say we do it, even if we don't necessarily do it. So that's yeah. that's one step of the journey. You know the next one behind that is just is actually some people who actually start doing it and, and actually start, and, and 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 that's the sort of the next stage of it the next one is i think people then look across and learn from that one all those people go from that project onto the next project and take it with them and that sort of slowly filters out and therefore slowly um the you know more people more and more people actually do end up doing it so it's a it's a it's a slow process but actually you know things like things like that are basically um uh, helping a lot. I think the other thing to say is that it's a lot of uh uh clever, smart young people coming uh coming sort of into the space as well, which is really sort of helping helping drive that digital uh that digital piece. Because again, you know, I think some of us that are sort of getting uh uh sort of I'll say midway uh but but midway to, to the sort of the second half of their career perhaps, you know, don't quite have that same mindset that some of the younger generation coming in of, you know, they're just you know, very clever and and, and it's just yeah, second nature than the whole
0: digital thing. Yeah, yeah, no, I'd agree with that. And also, the tool sets are getting better. Um, yeah. You know, I've, I've seen quite a few lately. There's a lot of webinars happening, you know, with COVID and everything like that. And um, there, there's some impressive tools out there. And perhaps, you know, the reluctance historically has been on, you know, when you look at the tool set, you go, holy crap, how do I use this tool? But these days, it's becoming. Easier, I guess, um, for, for a user to adopt. And as you say, um, with, with the generations coming through, they're, they're also more tech savvy as well. Um, but it, it ranges from everything from your, your traditional, um, you know, here's, uh, the 3D model plus your scheduling, but then it also goes all the way through to earn value and costs and all sorts of things. Um, and we, like I said, we spoke to a little bit with the four D guys on on what four, five, 6 models models are, and we're not, we won't go, I guess, into all of the the detail of that um, again. But for me, is is there a, a, so is there an ideal for um, uh, projects to to go into? Is it, is it just is four D the, the starting point, or should they look to adopt more dimensions?
2: Um. So, so my my sort of, I guess my thinking is actually there's a, it is one step at a time. I think if you if you if 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 the organisation is mature enough, then there's there's nothing to sort of stop it from going from going straight Mm -hmm. to I guess from you know a three D model and a and a program costs and uh, integrated sort of controls over here, basically to to jump straight to that sort of that five D environment. But uh, but I think I think we've sort of got a again a transition to sort of go through where. I mean the survey would sort of highlight that as well we don't have integrated controls right yet yeah so we've got to, we've got a challenge where we've got to get integrated controls working on projects but I think that that becomes sort of supported and enabled in some ways by this sort of you know by the visualization piece that comes with 4D I think you know that that and then, and then 5D off the back of that so I think that sort of the fact that people are becoming uh, a little bit more aware of 4D and the fact that it doesn't have to cost a uh, massive amount more. Uh, you know, you can you can actually get the benefits of it without actually having to spend a fortune to achieve it. I think. So uh, f- for me, if we we've got to almost take a step back and go look, we've still got it. continue our journey forward, but 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 make sure we get the fundamentals right because if we don't have those fundamentals right, then actually your 4D or your 5D, you you still got the same odds sort of shit in shit out type yep. scenario, which uh, which will apply basically.
0: Yeah, and yep. we we always love the one that Paul Guja I think says, uh, you know, shut in and gospel out, or something like that. Because yep. um, everyone <laughs> believes believes what's what's coming out of it. Um,
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I sort of, I've, I've got this thing. I've got the same thing with AI. Actually, I sort of think with AI, I think AI is. There's going to be some great stuff down the line that comes out of AI. But at but at the moment, we've got a, we've 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 got to get a. We've got to get a generation or two of, of genuine project data that we can use to really enable AI. Because actually, we've had we've had the last sort of, you know, thirty percent of our projects are successful. Yeah, and actually, the the, the other seventy percent, we've been lying about it until the last year or whatever the case is, saying how great it's going, and then actually, it's all come out that it's not going so well. So all that data up until that point in time is is all basically is crap. Actually, yeah. so it's yeah. so there's this we've got to go through this period. and I think actually. Collaborative contracts, getting, 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 getting organized, you know, client organizations and their supply chains working more closely together and more comfortable with the idea that look, I'm going to come to you, I'm going to tell you that we're not on schedule or we're behind on costs, uh, because that's the truth. But I'm going to come and tell you that this is what we're trying to do about it. So so just embracing a real open and honest. Uh, conversation so that we can have real data that's been captured and actually down the line we can then use that data through things like ai and the likes to really sort of help us move 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 forward
1: yeah you you make a good point because you know the word digital gets thrown around so much and i actually don't use it now i actually just talk about data and i've done some presentations one of them is for project controls coming up but that's exactly my point uh which is um don't, don't worry about the rest if we can't nurture and have custodians of the data the ai the machine learning all the fancy stuff that you want the bim is absolutely useless it's as good as it's going to get um yeah uh, you might as well use excel again if i'm going to be (laughs) flippant about it but the other interesting thing is i'd probably i'd probably challenge dale as well on you know software's got better um and i'm probably going to upset a few people on the call if they're passionate about a certain software but I don't actually think software has got that, but better. I think the barrier to entry and the cost and the risk of implementing software has got easier. Certainly Microsoft's picked up on this and they've, they've, got, they've been very clever about how they've rolled out their suite. And we actually see yeah. companies now reverting back, like actually we're just going to revert back to an MS 365 type arrangement. Um, one big hitter there is because of cost and two is because it's native. They all talk to each other. So there's some good things yeah. around integrated controls that that might reduce. Um, but if I look at some of the other tools, like, you know, the workhorses, the, the, as you mentioned, the Primavera, which you cut your teeth on uh, when you started in your career, it hasn't really changed much, which we talked to Michael Lepage about uh, on a few episodes back. So I think software has a way to go. But what you can notice is if you go to, like we went to, I went to the Project Controls Expo last year, and the number of software as a service companies is huge, like, I've never yeah. seen so many. Like if you went a few years back and you, and you compared to now, um, so many more software companies. So obviously if software companies are there and they're competing, that's a good environment as well. So I think yeah, it's agreed. on the verge. Like you said, I think there's a transition period between where we are and where we need to be. Um, I'd probably ask you another question. Sorry to jump in there, Dale. But around the education piece as well, um, do you think, from your perspective, that we've, we've got the right... Oh, level of competence to bring in BIM on the client side, particularly maybe the government side as well, to help nurture that on the contractor side. Um, and what do you think? No, is there any solutions I, to that yeah. other than consultants?
2: Well, yeah, <laughs> well, I think the answer is uh, we we don't. Uh, we we've got. I think everyone. I think the idea of sort of BIM in a in a three D in a three D sort of design capacity. I think we're all. Everyone's all over that, and that that's you know that is really strong. Uh, so, so that that side is fantastic. It's a big tick there. Well done, well done, industry. Um, I think, um, I think probably what's, um, I think most people know as well, a lot of the benefits that will come from BIM is, is actually sort of you know through the assets, sort of operational life. There's a, there's a massive period of time that you can really sort of uh, uh, get those rewards. And, and for me, the, the main disconnect that's there at the moment is, is in that is in that construction phase. So you've got a, you know, you've got a design, you've got BIM there, but actually the ability to kind of actually Use them effectively through through the construction phase to save time and money to help you deliver the project better uh, through making better decisions off the back of the fact you can actually see what you're doing before you do it type thing uh, it is such a um that's a gap and that's what's missing so so when I uh, again so I think you got you got. Government sort of saying we need to do it, um, but actually in, in Queensland, government actually here in Australia has actually just sort of sent out some guidelines to support that, and that's the type of thing that's actually really needed to do to sort of help the industry, yeah. help help actually the, the, the client organisations understand what they what they need to be achieving, and therefore what they need to be asking of their supply chains. Because I think at the moment yeah. that's not there, and there's a there's a degree of reluctance where where people kind of they don't want to sort of be over they don't want to sort of stipulate too much in terms of uh, in, in terms of, of, of their supply chain they kind of like they, they feel like that that's going to uh, that's going to um uh, I can't think of the exact word but someone sort of said something similar the other day but it's essentially sort of stifle industry because actually we want to let them innovate and bring that stuff to us but industry is sort of sitting back wait to be told what they need to do so, mm. so you're kind of in this awkward position where actually the client doesn't want to do it because they're trying to do the trying to do the right thing by industry, but industry' is sort of sitting back and, and essentially asking you know waiting to be told that look we want you to do this and, and this is this is sort of uh, this is sort of how. Um, that said, I think there are a few I think if you can if you can do both if you can have a, a client organization that kind of helps industry a little bit more to, to understand what they what they want what they want out of it more mm-hmm. than they do today I think that's a good thing and I think there are a few client organizations that are doing that. Uh, and similarly, I think, you know, that you do have, uh, you do have, you know, some of your main contractors and, and your big engineering houses that are actually looking to, uh, that, that are coming out from the other way. So it is happening and it, and it will continue to happen that way, but it, it would just be sort of uh, the speed of that transition and that change would happen faster. I think if the client took a, took, was a bit braver about what they're prepared to ask for.
0: Yeah. 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 No, agreed. And, and perhaps, it, as you say, it, it's purely maybe just that lack of knowledge. Um, you know and and, and for us mm. as you say to inform um, but just, just just coming back to what Val was saying around software tools and I, I, I agree with what you're saying in terms of the P6s of the world and maybe they're a bit complacent um, but then you also to counter that you look at the implants and the innates of the world yeah. and the technology yeah. that they're bringing out um, fair another fair one that fair. I saw in, in the 4D space is Bexel Manager um, I thought it was great um, mm. so um, you know I I think I agree with you on the whole that it's kind of balanced, but on the peripherals, there are some really exciting tools coming out there, but that brings me back then to a comment you made, Bryn, about, um, you know, we still don't get integrated controls, right? Why is that? Because for, for most people that we chat to, we go, it's obvious you have to have an integrated control system, but why doesn't your schedule talk with your your cost system? And why isn't it integrated with your risk system? Why is it different systems? And then your reporting has to go via Excel into something else. It, it, it just doesn't make business sense. But is that, again, coming back to education? Or is it um, perhaps people don't uh, know how to use the tools? I don't know.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, for, for, for me, it's a little bit about the fact that uh, there is, you know, there's not, there's unf- uh, unfortunately, there's not one uh, one one solution that fits every need and stuff, you know. In some some instances, using like an MSP will be the right uh, right sort of you know planning platform, and in other instances, instances using the you know the innate side of things might be the right one. Uh, but but I just think so. There is an educational piece. There's a cost piece that's sort of driving it. There's a there's a, there's a there's a bit of a sort of I, I don't know. if, dishonest might be too strong but you know just that sales approach it's always yeah. going to come from the different vendors where they want to be every, they want to be even if they're not they want to be everything to, to that their client has asked them for so so there's a very positive yep we can do that we do that type thing uh when when they don't necessarily so i think there's um yeah, I'm, I'm, I mean, we're, we really try and sort of uh, push the mantra that look, you've got to look at each organisation or each project as, as a standalone. You can go into them and have a rough idea what the right solution might be, and it might be one package that fits the whole thing, or it might be a handful of integr- handful of packages that you integrate together. But you you really do need to kind of have a look at what the requirements of that specific environment are to understand what solution is going to work best for them. So, so yeah, so I just think there's no for me, there's you know there are a big couple of big sort of enterprise sort of solutions out there that, uh, that do a pretty good job, but, but at the same time, that they're not always the right solution for, for every uh, for, for every sort of project or every yeah, client.
0: That, that's really interesting as well. And, and sometimes it's difficult if you're going into a client and they want to use a certain tool set, yet you know that won't be fit for purpose. Do, do, do you manage to change their minds or are, are they stuck? Is it, does it depend? <sighs>
2: It, don't, well, it does depend, but that—that's a bit of a—that's a bit of a cop-out answer, I guess. So. <laughs> um, so I think it's hard to, you know, for me, it almost becomes part of the part of the. It shouldn't be, but actually, in some ways, there's an element of the requirements gathering piece that that yeah. that kind of fits into. Where if they've got this real determination just to have one system, or just to have this you know, we can have whatever we want, but we has this system has to be part of that solution. Then, then in some ways, you, 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 unless the requirements sort of highlight why that's that's really really wrong um you know in some in some cases you just you, you know just, you still end up having to sort of go with that solution and making it work basically mm-hmm. and make it uh, and try and get the best out of that system to, to to work in the environment you're trying to you're trying to sort of stand up so
0: yeah that's interesting and and it sounds yeah. like that you you may have we've been speaking on the pod of you know a few different pods about how we think we you know you should have this playbook of going okay yeah if you got this type of project with this type of complexity maybe this type of commercial setup you know these are the kind of tools that you're looking at um are you telling us you've got the holy grail <laughs>
2: uh, 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 see uh, i won't say i won't <laughs> say that we've got the holy grail what i, what I would say is we've worked across a, uh, lots and lots of projects in that 20 years and we've, we've worked with lots and lots of systems within that 20 years and therefore we've uh, we're as good as anyone when it comes to basically uh when it comes to basically look if, if we need to go in there and make a make a sort of a best guess at what sort of system solution is going to work best then then actually we'll do that if the client allows us to then our preference is always to go back and look at the requirements and and make sure we're, that we're, we're designing the solution to, to meet those requirements and it's not to complicate the process but it's to to, to help the likely outcome be successful that actually that system is going to be embedded it's going to work in that environment because it's meeting the requirements of, of, of the sort of the many stakeholders and, and interfacing packages that it's going to have to interface with so yeah
1: you find that um there's hesitation with digital implementation particularly ppm tools or erp tools uh, i always hear these rumors of disastrous kind of erp rollouts and you know they spent millions, and it just everyone gets shell shocked because they don't want to do it again. And you almost yeah. have to then talk them through the process um, and explain that. Well, we're a little bit different. Um, the the challenge might be um, with these tools is how do you get um, everyone to to buy into it? What how do you demonstrate the benefits? So you're sitting with an executive. He goes, right? If I implement this digital system, what will it save me? Um how do you go about uh, generating benefits around BIM and all these other digital advancements in product controls
2: um to, i think i think we as an industry do it too loosely if i'm honest i think i think as yeah. i think controls in general and and i i put ourselves in this i think we're getting better at it but we're still we've still got a long way to go uh in terms of actually convincing uh uh convincing convincing um clients of the benefit of actually spending a little bit of money up front here you know you've got you've got Sort of professional bodies that are kind of pushing to do th- spend more time up front, and get things set up. But you know, those same those same sort of groups and, and the likes of ourselves sort of saying, "Look, do this, get it in early, spend that money early, because we'll save you a fortune later." Not just through making the right decisions, making, but actually making the right decisions. But actually, because you've actually because you've got it in early, you can start that whole education piece. You can get people on board, understanding anyone new coming into the project understands this is how we do it. These are these are the systems we use, and they kind of very quickly fall into that you know the the process gets followed off the back of that so um yeah, yeah so so I, I just think yeah anyway that's that's kind of uh, that's kind of where where i'm at i've sort of lost my train of thought there slightly no it's all
1: right i kind of fell in a bucket there was an example where um i was on the spot and this director hopefully he's not listening um he said uh well if i implement this system according to you then i can i can fire three people out there right and then and Obviously, I didn't want to fire three people. That wasn't the intent of the meeting. It was—it was more about demonstrating capability. And I said, but, and I actually said, "It depends, right?" Because it's, it's everything situational. Um, and as an outsider looking in, it's all easy to fix someone else's problems, right? You know, whether it's relationships or whether it's a project or whether it's how someone else drives, it's easier as an observer to make the corrections than when you're actually in the situation. So I said, "Well, you know, it depends." And uh, he wasn't very happy with that. Response, but but I think yeah. you're right, there is a bit of a loose gate when it comes to quantifying what benefits are and and how do you drill down on those?
2: There is, Val, but I, I actually think we've got to get better at saying yes to that, is the answer. I, I do think we've got to get better when, when that question is asked. Are you going to be able to save me resource, um, uh, from an you know, during the delivery phase of the project? And the answer should be yes, you know, if we're, if we're going to spend this money on these systems, then actually. You know, no. we should be doing it better. We should be doing it smarter. We should be doing it more efficiently. Uh, and, and you should be able to walk out there and get rid of your two weakest resources that don't need to be here. Um, and that's that. We don't do that, and, and we need to do that more. Is my uh, is my opinion. And and I, yeah. we've, we've got one one example of a project that we're working on at the moment, quite decent size. Um, and there's a number of different. Uh, there's a number of different uh, sort of. Um, uh, Elements to it basically, but but I can say from from the one that we're working on, where we've where we've where we've implemented the integrated solution, actually that the, the controls team size on that job is half that of uh, it's actually less than half that, but I'll say half that because I think our team's working too hard. Uh, but yeah. half than than equivalent to, uh, equivalent job over the road basically. So I sort of think that's a perfect example where we need to get up and sort of say, you know, that that half is saving. You know, there, there's there's a however many sort of hundred thousand a. Year, uh, a, a year that's being saved by, by by that upfront spend in terms of getting that those systems in place. As an example, getting this set up right, it's not just about the systems, but the systems is obviously a part of that. A, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. And we need to be better at doing that.
1: Yeah, I completely agree. And one of the apprehensions, I guess, of releasing stuff is generally it's the system doesn't replace the process. And usually someone will say, let's put a tool in there, to fix the problem. The tool doesn't fi- fix the problem. It's actually the, as you said, the integrated system or the integrated uh, process that accompanies that system. And usually, that person, in there, even if they're low value for, for consideration purposes of this of this scenario, um, yeah. they're they're plugging a hole by bringing holding two strings together and integrating it manually you know so it's a really interesting point you bring up but we do have to get better at it i think you're absolutely right we
2: do we do But actually let me caveat that by the way we say with it because i do For think sure. the other side of it, and this is back to your point because i i think the other challenge is actually and this is sort of back to the whole we've still got a way to go in controls. you know clients final not with clients whether it's a big c or a little c Often people don't get the benefit of controls. So therefore, if they're needing to reduce the cost of their project, they'll often look into that team and kind of go, "Do we really need all those people doing that job?" But no, I don't think we do. So, so the, I think the the challenge there is actually often your team is under resourced in the first instance because actually not always, but the, the, you know in a lot of in a lot of instances you still find people trying to shortcut. Uh, or in, in not shortcut, undercut how much they how much they want to spend in the control space because, again, they're just sort of seeing as a, a reporting tool or whatever the case, you know, a reporting mechanism rather than a, no, no, this is your roadmap to completion and we're here to help you deliver this project, uh, you know, oh, exactly better, smarter, yeah. cheaper type thing. Yeah. yeah. So therefore, you're in that situation where it's already under-resourced and you're trying to sort of say, go, well, actually, I, I genuinely need those people to basically help me, uh, help me do this job well. So, yeah.
1: I think you're right. I think pivoting into people and and project controls as a as a as a skill set—it's certainly gained popularity. Um, I feel like chefs, you know, chefs used to just be chefs, and then suddenly you had celebrity chefs, and they had books and stuff. And it's kind of like project controls. Project controls is just a, a thing, and now it's like celebrity project controls. Like it, it seems to be really grabbing grabbing people's attention and being a really uh, mandated or required need. Um, specifically in that transition period so how do we what's your view on on project controls as a as a discipline um because it as I, we spoke to simon white who was talking about how he was in adelaide and yeah. south australia if anyone doesn't know and he was struggling with finding people so you know this make buy kind of procurement process right we need we have a project we'll go out and buy um, some project controllers and lo and behold, it's Adelaide, right? So 1.5 million people. There's no project controllers. So they decided to, um, I think it was a Cert 4 wasn't it, Dale? Something like that in project controls. Yeah, project yeah. controls, write,
2: yeah.
1: Write their own certification, which was uh, AQF or Australian Qualification Framework um, compliant because they couldn't find them. Is that is that the right approach or what else could we do to help bring probably not let people just fall into project controls but actually have a, a pipeline and a path? into proto controls um quite early on in people's careers.
2: I um so I, I do think that approach is one approach which is which is a good one. that we were we were actually chatting with um uh briefly with uh with, with Simon and uh and, and another chap in his team about that and we definitely sort of share support. Uh, uh I do think that's that's one of the things you want to do in terms of that educational piece. There's a, there's a lot of people yeah. that can transition into the control space uh, because the, whatever they're doing and, and, and whatever field they're in is, is sort of close enough to close enough, you know, requires a similar mindset uh, uh, that, that actually you can bring them in and, and train them up on the uh, on the technical side of things. And I would just bring it back to logical if you don't mind just critique. One of, the, one of the reasons I think we've always done really well as an organisation is not because we've gone out and, and bought technical people, um, albeit you know there's a place for that and we've we've got some fantastically strong technical people within our organization. but it's because we've brought personalities and 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 drive and commitment and stuff. and in doing that, you can train the technical side of things. What you can't train is is that 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 passion drive uh, yeah. side of and and personality side of things. So for us that was always such a such an important. Uh, important part of things so anyway so that so that that training is definitely one piece that you want that from your technical capability set particularly um there's off the back of what i just said there's probably some software training that you can actually do in that environment as well which would probably benefit projects well one of, one of the other things i think that we've got to get better at doing and i think we at logical are actually again very good at it is, is around bringing um yeah, it is around sort of graduate programs and the like. So you know, bringing people up yeah. through whether whether they're a new graduate or whether they're coming across from a teaching teaching career and actually they've they've got this aspiration to do something different, and they've sort of shown a bit of mouth and personality and, and sort of uh, willingness to kind of give something a go, because actually that's we, some of our best people now are really the people that come through our graduate program, and, and some of them have got. You know they're not all initially we used to recruit people from predominantly from an engineering background. We expanded that to sort of move into a little bit more sort of financial side of things as well. Uh but now we 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 really we bring people from any any degree uh will we'll often sort of come into the organization. So we have people from history, from arts, from uh from, from maths, from science, you know we all, all around we, we really nowadays it's like we're not looking at that. We're really looking at the personality, how how strong are mm. they? How adaptable are they? How keen and passionate are they? And bringing those yeah. people in is really is really a positive way. Because then you know, you're topping up the industry, you're bringing in some fresh new faces and ideas, and again, different ways of thinking, which are, which are really positive for industry.
1: Yeah, it's a really good point you raised. Um, there's a bit of a mantra that Dale and I use as well. It's it's kind of like you hire for attitude, you train for skill. Um, I can't remember who yeah. said that. I think it was Eric Thomas or something. Like but it's a good way of doing it because. You realize how much of the of the integrator role is still human. Like we talk about AI and being obviously we're tech savvy. We're early adopters. We love this stuff. We want to bring it into the industry. Um, but the more technical we get, the more you realize our job's about managing people and the culture and the environment and supporting people with their processes and their decision making and making it um, you know, a thorough but, you know, enjoyable exercise. Like projects, even if they're under pressure, don't have to be doom and gloom which we've all probably experienced those and you know the, the culture that's set obviously determines the productivity um and the experience and I, just in my personal experience i think um, when you don't have a supportive culture um, it, it does affect the project in all sorts of ways and probably the, the best one is no one raises their hands when there's something wrong um, out of fear of reprimand so you know you go back to project managers probably have the hardest job of that um, and you see them there yeah. they know that we know they know that there's something wrong um but not, no one raises their hand do you think um there's a bigger role that project controls could play in that space of you know where there's agreeableness or groupthink or the yes men you know kind of a theory playing out is there anything we can do to help improve that
2: um I personally think we should see ourselves as the integrators. So, so, and that's not just about oh, because we've got these systems and they talk to each other, but but we are the integrators of what what, what brings everyone together on that project. Uh, because we're doing it through costs, we're doing it through schedule, we're doing it through the management risk, all that stuff, and all those things give us a reason to be going and chatting to everyone, everyone on the project type of thing. So. So from my perspective, if we see ourselves as, as as that, and that that really is a really people person role, because you've got to be brave enough to kind of walk up to someone and have a discussion with them, uh, and you've got to be open enough that when someone comes and chats to you, you're not putting the barrier down because you're too too in front of your screen doing whatever you're doing on your screen at the time. So so definitely, there's a we uh, We've got a the, the, as part of the project management team. I think we've got a we've got a massive role to play in that, and perhaps more than almost more than any, you've got, the, you've got the leaders who will always set the agenda, set the culture, but actually in terms of actually supporting that and being a real enabler of that, I think a, a big part of that can come down to sort of GMO and controls.
1: Yeah, and I just had one more before I pass on to Dale because he's listening intently there, um, was what are your resources for strength and motivation you talk about leadership and culture and people, and obviously you've got a great group of people behind you. How do you keep that maintained? Where do you go for the resources
2: um when you say that you mean support for myself type thing is that what you mean in that instance yeah, or how you, yeah. You, is it yeah do, yeah. do you so take actually,
1: inspiration from anyone then. yeah
2: um i take it from everyone i think is probably my my point so i don't so what i'm not i'm not like an avid reader of uh anyone in particular like every now and then i'll uh, I'll, I'll pick up a or listen to an audio book around sort of self-help type stuff or giving you ideas uh, and in some ways, I, I sort of don't like the idea that my my um, my views will be uh, corrupted. Too 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 strong, but you know, corrupted or, or too influenced by a particular person. I don't want to be anyone. I want to what I what I want to do is I want to basically listen to, listen to as many people that I can listen to and grab the best bits from each of them and the learnings from each of them and actually apply that to how I work and how I how I live my life or whatever cats might be. So. Um, so, and one of the just back to my bio, I think what what my bio probably doesn't say, but but it's probably my strongest my strong what's made logical as, as 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 good as it is is actually not the outward looking client stuff, it's actually the inward looking sort of staff stuff. It's what we've got a, we've got such a great team of of, of friends, actually of, of people that have sort of come together, and yet they started as colleagues, and, and more often than not, they become a really sort of close knit family, sort of friend organization, and a big part of that is just yeah, I just think it's so important for, for for kind of actually having that great culture within our business. Uh, to to, to uh, it's good for our business, and I think it's good for all the clients that we work with as well. And I just if I then bring that back to the uh, back to sort of the project world and culture on projects, I think if you don't, it's so important that you do get that right culture. And again, I think the. Um, uh, i'd almost say one of the one of the things that's indicative of a positive culture is, is projects that are willing to do things a little bit differently and, and adapt yeah. uh, you know just just not just do, not just do what they did the last time so whether it's you know whether it's driving sort of diversity diversity sort of uh, improvements uh or whether it's sort of driving you know the system improvements or whether it's just 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 being prepared to do things differently because i think organizations or projects uh, project environments that are looking to do that, Kind of show a um, inherently show an openness to to having a discussion, or, or or me walking up to someone over there and sort of saying what about this, or them walking up to me and saying what about this, basically. So, and that in itself sort of brings it back to that integration and that integration point where actually people are talking and enjoying there because actually they feel like they can have a voice and be part of this thing. Uh, off the back of that, that sort of that, which all sort of stems from that positive culture, basically.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I find it fascinating, Bryn. Um, when you're chatting there and you were mentioning about, you know, how it's easier to train technical skill than behaviors remind me of um, Tim Rudman in season one. He's, he's a CEO, well, he's been the CEO of two startups now in the fintech industry. And although a different industry, um, different company, it's very much that mindset of, you know, and and, and comes across um, when you're talking as well. And I remember when I first met you as well, you're a very approachable person. Um, you know, you're likable, you're easy to get, get on with. How many people can say that about their CEOs and their founders of their companies, you know? Um, and then thinking back what you said about, you know, the kid mentality, the startup mentality, and, you know, even though you've grown, you still kind of have that. And I think that also um, is a good thing because I think organizations as they grow, they they, they sometimes lose their way and they don't retain that, that sense of, Unity and, and 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 family environment about them, um, but but then also as Val says, I'm listening intently. I, I love it because I have a front row seat to the pod, just listening to you know <laughs> this amazing insight. Um, the other thing you you then spoke about is how we have to adapt, and then that got me thinking about trends. And you spoke about you know obviously trends in the surveys, but if we cast a bit of an eye to the future, and I'm a project controlled professional listening to this. What are perhaps the top three, five, ten things that that you'd be um, saying to people? This is what you should be looking at doing um, in the next five, ten years. This is this is this is going to become key um, as part of your role.
2: This is probably a point where I uh, where I turn to one of my uh, where I turn to one of my <laughs> super savvy staff and are sort of "Go, what would you do?" And I, uh, I learn from them. Um, yeah. I, I do. Again, I wouldn't. I wouldn't sort of call myself overly, overly savvy on the, the technical. On the sorry, on the digital, and I'm sorry about. I'm using the word, but but on the digital side of things. But but I yeah. do. um But I am. I'm a big believer of 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 the the productivity improvements that digital will bring. I guess, and the collaboration improvements that digital will bring. Um So so from from that side, I sort of think um, and. and and if we are like literally sort of talking sort of five years out, I think it's probably unrealistic to be thinking much more than much more than sort of you know, focusing in on those digital enhancements. Because actually, I think a lot of the stuff, as much as we'd like it to come faster around the AI and all those sorts of things, actually, it's, it's I don't I you'll get great organisations coming through, and then we've got, we've got our own sort of R and D guys now as well, team now that's sort of also looking looking into that space to sort of make sure we are. Uh, uh, Are looking ahead and developing, developing, developing in that space as well, which is uh, which is positive. But uh, but I do think at the moment it's about for the next little bit. It's just it's I think we should all be sort of embracing embracing the sort of BIM during construction because actually if we can do that during construction, it paves the way for it to flow nicely into operations and to make lots of savings at that point. Uh, the, the digital side of things and the efficiencies and productivity improvements, I think that becomes a that, that that's quite key as well. I think one of the, um, uh, and particularly almost over the next five years, probably even more so, we're kind of, you know, every every country is coming out of a sort of a COVID period and every country pretty much is basically going, we're going to spend our way out of this. And it's the right thing to be doing uh, completely. But, but, but what that's going to do is it's really going to stretch the capability uh, that we have in, in the industry. I think historically you'll have, You'll have one region perform, you know, one region going strong, doing lots of infrastructure work, and another region that's a little bit flat. So, so inevitably, you'll get period whether it you'll get people moving, sort of whether it's in a state or or internationally, to basically to support that work. Whereas at the moment, we're going into a phase where actually everyone's going to be doing infrastructure. Everyone's going to uh, infrastructure resource are going to be in massively high demand in every region. So the ability to, to tap into those. Quiet regions is, isn't going to be uh, isn't going to be as easy as it was historically, uh, particularly given the travel side of things. But even if you ignore that, uh, there's going to be this massive sort of shortage. So we've got to get better uh, and more efficient uh, at doing things. So, uh, so yeah. So mm-hmm. for me, it is a third sort of thing, and it's it's important that we don't we're not too you know it's not too broad. I think in terms of mm-hmm. what, what we're driving towards. And again, if you're the project controls professional, then I think it's a that BIM thing is going to really help us. It's going to help help what we should be doing. is basically helping industry to understand how we as project controls professionals are integral to the success of BIM and to, to the success of BIM during that construction period specifically where it, it's not getting any uh, people aren't doing it and people don't know how to do it very well. There are people that do. Obviously, like the 4D guys that you guys were chatting to recently, you know, they're really great in that space as well. Um, but, but it is. It's just that's the bit we want to be pushing that agenda. Controls is integral uh, to that whole data collection piece. Uh, it's integral to the whole BIM piece. Uh, so, so, so really, we've. I feel like we've got the wind behind us. Actually, yeah. all of us for the, for the next few years, and we really yeah. just want to take advantage of that and really just and really just you know leverage it basically.
0: Yeah, and no, I agree. I, th- I think there's definitely a groundswell, um, and you know, it, it it it's an interesting space to be in. Um, right now, I think, um, as Val's saying, with all the vendors out yeah. there with software, as you're mentioning, you know, um, you know, you, you got to get more tech savvy. I know Val loves to to mention, you know, if you're doing low value transactional type work, get out of it type thing because computers can do that better. Um, but then, then also to what you're alluding to, I think is we we got to we got to learn that controls is a lot about behaviors and people and interacting. And I, I think um, a lot of people that I've come into contact with don't fully appreciate that yet. I think they still think it's all about the data and I, can I can I tell you what the data is telling you rather than actually um, maybe convincing is the wrong word. It, tells, it sounds a bit too salesy. Yeah, but it's no, rather about can, can yeah. I make you believe that this data is giving you something meaningful so that mm. you can make the right decisions. Um, and, yeah. and I think that art is, is missing to a certain extent. That's the yeah, uh, storytelling art-, art, isn't it?
2: Yeah, yeah, no, you're right. Because we're a defensive. Mm. lot. I sort of think it's sort of one of those things. Um, and I will sort of uh, equally product controls uh, product controls expo in London a couple of years back, and I do it. You know, often find that uh, you you'll have questions that are coming from the audience. That uh, have those sort of things sort of saying people aren't listening to me. Uh, and and I sort of think, well, there's two sides to two sides to comms. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so So you really gotta. And that's a bit that we've we, you've got to recognize the fact that actually, if they're not listening to me, maybe I need to tell the story in a different way so that they do listen to me. Uh, but see, I'll try a different tacts. So, I, I definitely think, uh, yeah, that storytelling bit is, uh, is, is missing, and we do have to get better. You know, we've got to get better at that as part of the process of, uh, of, of people, you know, helping, as part of the process of helping the management t- see us in the control space is such a critical part. To, to, to how they deliver to, to their success,
0: basically. Um but yeah that comes down to our behaviors and massively down to our behaviors as well. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah, no totally agree. Um, I'm just gonna hand to Val as we head to the, the final section of the pod um to 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 ask the final few few questions or share your thoughts Val. I know I know you got lots you always I can always see the, the hamster wheel turning and then sometimes smoke comes out the ears. Um but yeah, uh, have yeah. Val, over to you. <laughs> I was just thinking, I was, shout out to Carolyn Patterson because she, she left
1: me with a really nice way of describing PMO, which is the critical friend. And I think that makes sense to, you know, controls on what we do. We're, we're kind of the people that give it to you straight. And, um, you know, it's probably a if we've got the sponsorship and the trust from the executives and whoever make the decisions, um, then then we can be a little bit more upfront about the reality of the situation and I think that that helps, again, with the integration because, obviously, we are probably the only organisation within a department we're within a project that integrates with or relates to everybody because we're involved in everything um, to some degree. Um, what I find is interesting is we're also kind of sliding into the IT space. Um, a lot of people think, what are you doing there? And, and the engineering space, for a matter of, of thoughts. And it's like, well, it's not that we're sliding into them. It's like they, they were kind of already part of us if you talk about integrated systems um and you talk about how how common data layouts happen but i do find there's a bit of resistance um you know a bit departmentalized and we, we need to break down these silos um and we talk about attitudes and it's like well rather than sharing what my individual role is i should be sharing what the individual objective is and and obviously that'd be a team kind of game where yeah there's a lead that coordinates it but there might be an engineer and there, there might be an it representative there might be a data analyst there might be um someone from finance god forbid uh but there'd be these guys in there and girls um and i think that's a far stronger um matrix organization um than just having these separate departments where i think maybe that's one of the problems with projects is that how you find it as well like having them departmentalized is is a bit of an issue when it comes to integrated systems as you mentioned before
2: it is but even uh, there's still a matter and and i it's it is an educational. It's a it's a directive and it's an educational piece. So I think that's sort of challenging that because so I think you can sit within a PMO and, and and actually it's it's amazing how often you can sit within a PMO and, and have you know the, the, the schedule guys not talking to the cost guys. It's just like how does oh, that I'm work? How, how you know? It's and then it, it's um it, it's it's yeah. So that's so even within a within a West you know West, mm. West Coast all together as one fight in this battle. It's just like nah, everyone's fighting their own battle basically. So it's like that's not how we we need to play better than that. So. So yeah, definitely. I think there's, there's we we need to be you know better at integrating together ourselves, and we need to be better at doing that with the um, yeah with the, with the broader group as well. I think just to, within the PMO space, actually, one of the, we did some work with National Grid uh, a while back, and actually one of the things that they were doing, which was fantastic, actually, was was within their within their sort of controls team. They'd second people within the different disciplines, so it was it was part of it. So you'd take your planner and put him into cost or risk for a bit, or maybe into finance. And so off the back of that, they got a real appreciation for where the people that they interface with uh, were, were coming from, and and it really just again, it just sort of helps that whole togetherness because actually I'm looking at this not just from my perspective, but I kind of get where you're coming from now as well. So. So that side yeah. of things was uh, it was a really again just that educational piece. That's another clever way of actually sort of trying to sort of scale up your team and uh, and improve the integration as well.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, that's that's well, we agree because we've had previous discussions yeah. um, and we <laughs> kind of we kind of click on this. It's um, it's hard to challenge each other. You know, when you're in a room full of people who agree with you, you should be worried. They say, um, but with project control, I think it's a compliment because because it it is such an interesting transitional moment for the, for the craft, and, um, and I think it's good to just air that out. Um, one of the other questions I had was just you mentioned about BIM and um, it being the future and all that, and, you know, we talked to the 4D construction guys before, and and we asked them how long they've kind of been pursuing and pushing this agenda, and they said, well, we've been in the kind of 4D game for about 10 years, and it's probably been like longer than that, as you said. Um what what could we do? And we've got this platform here. Um, what what do you think, Project Chatter, or as a, as a collective, or with Anil from Project Controls Group, could we do to emphasize the importance of visual management? Effectively, that's what it is. It's part of a visual management system. We kind of do it now with it smart reporting or BI reporting. Um, model-based planning is what we kind of talked yeah. about with four D. These are these are all great things because they're we're quicker. We recognise visual issues quicker patterns on, on visual issues. Um yeah. what can we do as a collective to kind of help bring that mission to fruition? Oh, that that rhymes didn't even plan that.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of miss it. I missed the rhyme. Actually, it has to say it again, but I bet you can't. So
1: bring the mission into fruition. Uh,
2: ah. Oh yeah, no, very good. You got me. You got me. That's all right.
1: um, so, so what? It's just P think... in here, that's all.
2: Yeah, <laughs> I, I, think, um, I think we as a collective, I mean, partially I'm always, I, uh, I quite love the idea actually that, so for all, all the clients that we work with, that we just, we just roll it out and um, we just sort of say, well, look, we're going to do 4D planning, you don't mm. have to pay for it, we don't think it's going to cost much more, so we're going to do it for you uh, as part of the service we're offering and i think once people see it and experience it they'll they'll come around really quick so i think the challenge at the moment is that people always see it as an extra it's going to be costly it's going to be and it scares them away whereas i do think if they if they inherently have it then all of a sudden it'll just become it'll become something that they can't live without so so whether they've got to pay a little bit more for it or not actually yeah so so my personal view is actually if you if you're in a position to do that um then then do it. Like like so yeah, then then do it basically. Now not that you guys can't do that in your uh in your you know the, the podcast sort of uh, environment but uh, but I think you're kind of doing your bit already by by again getting people uh, like Anil uh on from the from, from Product Controls Expo and uh, and the guys I think yeah you know, and, and even what you're you know what you're doing too into so you're sharing that you're sharing the learnings and hopefully you, all your followers are kind of uh, sort of you know, listening in and, and sort of then taking 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 those learnings into their environment and the likes and sort of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's awesome,
1: mate. Free giveaways for BIM at logical. No, just joking. Um, (laughs) No, that makes makes a lot of sense. Um, it does actually, because it's it, it. Half a battle is buy-in, and that makes sense to me. Yeah, that's really good.
2: It is, and and it's really. It doesn't. Ha- I, I sort of think with a lot of this stuff, it doesn't have to be that much, that much more than what they're paying in any case. Especially if you can make a little bit more yeah. efficient to kind of drop drop some of the resource out. So I just sort of think it's such a. It's, it's yeah. Anyway, I won't keep going. It's worth it. Imagine if so,
1: imagine if Microsoft drops a BIM tool out there.
2: Oh, love it. Yeah. i wouldn't be i wouldn't be surprised i wouldn't be surprised yeah. there's a lot of there's yeah. a lot of sort of movement yeah. in this space. so uh yeah so mm. yeah watch watch this space. i think Val, to be honest with that one
0: for sure for sure Bryn. thanks yeah. dale
2: yeah
0: well what a privilege and honor val it's been to spend time with Bryn for the best part Absolutely. of it. over an hour it's we've been truly um grateful that you've been able to share some some of your insight with us Bryn. um just one final question, I guess, for our US listeners: You're not in the US yet. Any plans to expand into that? Because I'm sure the US listeners are going. It sounds great what Logical's doing. Can we get some of that?
2: Uh, so the answer is we 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 quite we, yeah we're not in the US at the moment. Uh, but but uh, it's sort of it's one of those things. We we would we'd we'd quite happily go to the US off the back of uh, off the back of one of our existing client relationships. This is a probably way we'd. Uh, We'd, uh, we'd expand into there. But uh, so, yeah, I mean, obviously, equally, you know, the U.S. is doing some, uh, is spending a lot of money on infrastructure. And I think the U.S. is one of the areas that actually, you know, they have, you know, controls has always been quite strong there. So mm-hmm. the idea yeah. of being there in an environment where people kind of get it is actually is, is quite attractive and appealing as well. So uh, so Absolutely. the answer is there's, there's no no plans in the next 12 months, but actually if someone came up to us and sort of said, look, can you come over and, uh, and work with us over there. We we wouldn't uh, we wouldn't say no.
0: So watch the space, folks. And if you're in yeah. the US and you're listening to this pod, I'm sure Bryn won't mind if you reach out to him via LinkedIn or any other way. Um, it, it'll it'll be great. Um, just as we we wrap up the pod, Bryn, um, any final thoughts that you want to leave us with?
2: Um, by any means, for for you guys, actually, I sort of think you know from from the control survey to what you're to what you're doing, I think that I think they're all really good things, and they're all mm. so I would almost actually turn back and say thank you to you guys because I think this is a great uh, you know keep up the good work of, of getting people on and, and and encouraging the conversation. I think it's so important, and I think it's great that you're uh, yeah you're doing it. It's fantastic. Thank you.
0: Appreciate it, Bryn.
1: Val, well, final thoughts? No, I'm just looking forward to the um, the survey for next year. I wonder are you planning to do like a combination survey? Like friends from the last six seven years?
2: Just an idea. <laughs> <laughs> Something
0: to take away. We are like-
2: yeah, 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 yeah. Bring it all together. Bring it all together. Well, it was funny because the first one was like it was it was I think it was about like six a four. You know, it's very very plain. Uh, we've we've sort of got a little bit uh, more artistic in terms of how we present it. Uh, the longer we've gone on, uh, a little bit back to the visualization benefits of the four D before the 4D tool versus the, versus not. So uh, anyway, but it'd be great to um yeah you know, when we do release the question, it'd be great actually to uh. If you guys could uh, promote and encourage people to jump on and, and put their views through, that would be uh, that'd be fantastic as well. Thank you.
1: Absolutely, Absolutely. mate. And it's a, it's been a pleasure having you on the on the show as well. I look forward to catching you up in
0: uh, in Brizzy at some point.
2: Yeah, we'll be good. We'll be good. It's been great to be here. Thanks again, guys.
0: Well, folks, that's that's all we have time for on this episode, but it doesn't have to stop here. Subscribe to our YouTube channel for the bonus bits and our website for a link to our online community with all our expert guests. Support our charities and access blogs and previous podcasts at projectchatterpodcast.com. A big thanks to our guest, Bryn Lockett, and thank you all for listening. Hit subscribe so you don't miss the next one. Till then, we say stay safe, be disruptive, and have fun doing it. From me and Val, it's bye for now. Views, thoughts and opinions expressed in this podcast belong solely to the participating individuals and not necessarily to the individual's employer, organisation, committee or other group or individual. Additionally, any views or opinions are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organisation, company or individual.